We've been celebrating Advent with a sermon series called The Miracles of Christmas. Our hope is that we can move beyond just that knowledge of the Christmas miracles, that we can experience them in our lives in such a way that long after the presents are forgotten and the Christmas decorations are put away, long after all of that, we'll still be living out those miracles in our lives. We looked at the miracle of the moment and how we find the miracles in our moments because God has perfect timing. We looked at the miracle in the message and how we need to look to Jesus as God's final revelation of himself to the world. God's final and greatest word to us is personified in his son, Jesus. And we need to take on that and say, What are we doing with Jesus? What are we doing with God's word to us in Jesus? The best response is, yes, God, I'll follow your son. And today what we're going to do is look at the miracle and the method because God's methods are beyond our comprehension. One of our greatest challenges in our Christian journey is coming to a level of spiritual maturity where we completely trust God in all things and in all ways. Our biggest hurdle is that God doesn't think the way we think. God doesn't act the way we think he should act. You see, we think it's reasonable for God to open a door of opportunity. Instead, he closes it. We may think it's reasonable that if God loves us and cared about us and wanted us happy, then he would take care of our loved ones. He would heal them when we pray for them. Sometimes he takes them home instead. We think it's reasonable that God would bring our trials and troubles to an end. We've prayed and prayed, Lord, take this trouble away. But instead, the trials continue. We think it's reasonable that God would give us exactly what we ask for. Instead, he gives us something different. All throughout history, we see God's methods They reach beyond our understanding, especially when we look into the Christmas story. Because if we were going to write the script for the redemption of mankind, we would have done it differently. But here we have a young couple. They're getting ready to be married. They're making preparations for their wedding day. Mary and Joseph, I'm sure they had dreams of their life together. They have plans for their future. But God had other plans. It would be safe to say that our young couple didn't plan to have Mary be with child before their wedding day. They were both surprised at the news. In Luke's gospel, he records Mary's surprise. These were her words to the angel. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? And in our text this morning, we see Joseph's reaction. He thinks he has a decision to make. 
Has Mary been unfaithful to him? Should he break off the engagement? Should he allow Mary to suffer public shame? This was not part of their plan. They probably felt like God was interrupting their plan. The writer of Proverbs tells us that we can make our plans, but it's God who directs our steps. But God had a plan before the foundation of the world. He was writing a script for the redemption of humankind that doesn't make sense to us. His method was to come as a helpless, defenseless baby to a young couple that he chose. They weren't royalty. They didn't have any worldly influence. They were a plain, ordinary couple, like me and you. But God chose them to be the parents of Jesus. Doesn't make sense. But much of the things that happen in our lives, they don't make sense. Isaiah tells us, the words that God said, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You see, there are some important lessons for us in this Christmas story when we look at the miracle in God's method. The first thing we can notice is that God didn't ask Joseph and Mary if they wanted to be a part of his plan. There's no mention in scripture of an angel announcing the plan and asking Mary or Joseph if it was acceptable. Hey, Mary, hey, what do you think? You want to you join us? You want to be a part of this? No, the angel said, this is the plan. Same thing with Joseph. There was no, hey, Joseph. Let's sit down and have a chat. Let's see, do you want to be a part of this? No, they came to Joseph and said, this is what you're going to do. God simply told them his plan. How many of you today are doing what you planned on doing 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago? Is today what you planned all those years ago? Probably not. Because our plans change because of our circumstances. And our circumstances are beyond our control. Because God is beyond our control. God doesn't ask us what we think when he chooses to use our circumstances in our lives. But he does have a plan for your life. It was a plan before you were created in the womb. And he has no intention of asking you for your permission before proceeding with his plan. Yet we continue to ask why. We continue to ask how. We continue to ask when. Parents, with your kids, when you say something, but why? But why? But why? And in that one exasperated moment, you said, because I said so. The long form of because I said so would go something like this. 
I provide for your provision and your protection. Furthermore, I am not your peer. I am your superior in every sense of the term. Therefore, I am not required to, nor will I justify my decisions or my instructions to you. We are doing it my way because that is what I determine will happen and for no other reason. Because I said so. Well, God is the ultimate and final authority in being able to say, because I said so. His long form would go something like this. I provide for your provision and your protection. Furthermore, I am not your peer. I am your superior in every sense of the term. Therefore, I am not required to, nor will I justify my decisions or instructions to you. We are doing it my way because that is what I determine will happen. And for no other reason, because I am God and you are not. Because God is God. He doesn't need to explain anything to us. He doesn't need to ask our permission to move forward with his plan in his way. It's our choice to obey his will, but we cannot change his plan. What happens when your kids don't obey? They face consequences for their actions and for their disobedience. But your will and your plan remain in place. Likewise, we face the same consequences for our actions and disobedience to God. But God's will and God's plan moves forward. The second thing we see in the story of Joseph and Mary is that sometimes God's way is the hard way. We mistakenly think that if we are in the will of God, if we surrender to his way, it's easy and it's free of difficulties. That's not how it was for Mary and Joseph. First, they endured mocking and gossip. Oh, that young Mary over there. Oh, did you hear? She's pregnant. They're not married yet, and she's pregnant. They had to endure gossip and mocking from the village. They were the talk of the town. Then there was the issue of the census. Why didn't God have the census take place before their marriage? Or after Jesus was born? Because now they have to tri travel over 90 miles on foot and by donkey. That's not an easy task for a pregnant woman. Surely God could have come up with a better way so it wasn't so difficult for them. Then they get to Bethlehem. And there's no room in the inn, so they stay in the stable. Jesus is born in a stable surrounded by hay and smelly animals. Surely God could have come up with a better way than that, so it wasn't so difficult for them. Then, a short time after Jesus is born, his family is forced to flee from Bethlehem and go to Egypt because King Herod had an impending mandate to kill all the males under the age of two. Surely God could have softened Herod's heart and protected Jesus so that it wasn't so difficult for them. Being in God's will doesn't mean we are promised an easy journey. 
when difficulties arise, we think that God must have it all wrong. One of the hardest things for us to do is recognize that God doesn't think the same way we do. His thoughts are not our thoughts. We have thoughts every minute of every day. And so to us, they're normal. They make sense. They're rational and logical. In fact, if other people don't think like us or agree with our way of thinking, well, we think there's something wrong with them, not us. But the danger is that we do the same thing with God. We think that we could do a better job at planning things, at running our lives. We could do a better job. We lean towards thinking that God could learn a few things if only he would listen to us. One day there were two friends. They were sitting under an oak tree. They were just discussing life, as they always did. One friend was a Christian. The other was a skeptic. And so the skeptic started criticizing the way God had created things. He started claiming that God got everything backwards when he was creating. He said, take this oak tree, for example. God put this tiny, tiniest little acorn on this tree, which has branches more than strong enough to hold an acorn. Ridiculous, he says. And yet God put watermelons on these flimsy little vines that can't even hold the watermelon up. Ridiculous he said. Now, if I were God, I would have put the watermelons on the trees with these strong branches and put those little acorns on the flimsy vines. And the moment he said those things, an acorn fell from the tree and landed on his head. God is right in all things. He knows things that we don't know. God sees things that we can't see. God understands things that we cannot. God's thoughts and God's plans, God's ways and God's methods are infinitely higher and greater than our own. They're better in every possible way. They take us by surprise. They go where we could never have dreamed of going. But his plans are accomplished in ways that surpass any and all expectations that we could ever imagine. What kind of God would he be if we could wrap our minds around him? If we could understand his ways, what kind of God would he be? If we could predict where he would go and how he'll work, What kind of God would he be? He would be the God that worked out of the same small, limited view of the world that we do. That would make him a small God. That would make him like us, not us like him. But that is not who our God is. He is infinitely big, and he works from a vantage point that we can't comprehend. But he also has the power so great to execute his plan that no one can thwart that plan. Not even for a millisecond. 
God's plan and his ways will always prevail. Isaiah says this in chapter 46, verse 9. Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey, from a far-off land a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned, that I will do. You cannot thwart the plans of God. And because God's methods are always right, we can trust him with everything. There are going to be times when we don't understand the things that are happening in our lives. There may be times of chaos when it feels that God is not in control. We'll have problems that come that we think we don't deserve. There'll be temptations that sneak in that we think we can't resist. And grief and sorrow will hit us in ways that we think we can't get through it. And yet the word tells us that God works in all things for his purpose. And then we find ourselves in this tension between wanting to trust God's ways, but thinking we have it all figured out. Thursday, March 3rd of 2005, about 6.30 at night, I was laying in an MRI machine, praying, Lord, what's going on? Lord, I don't understand. Lord, what's happening? Because nobody had told me anything at that moment. And these were the words he said to me. He said, you are about to go through something because there are people that need to know who I am. There are people that don't know me, but because of what you're going to go through, they will. Okay, Lord. And instantly I went into the people I knew that didn't know Jesus. And so that settled me for a while. And as I went through my cancer treatments, as I went through chemo and radiation over a six-month period, and I watched my dad come to know Jesus through that, and then I watched him then share the news of the gospel with my grandmother so that she became a believer before she passed, and I sat back and I thought, oh, Lord, look what you did. You were right. There were people that needed to know you, and because of my illness, that's what happened. And then fast forward several years as I start to go into the ordination process. And I start doubting and say, Lord, am I supposed to do this? Because I don't, I don't really want to do this. And he spoke to me and he said, do you remember when you were laying in that MRI? Do you remember the words that I spoke to you 
in that moment. Well, Lord, you told me that there were people that didn't know you, that needed to know you. He said, that's right, and that's why you're going to continue on this track towards ordination. Okay, Lord, my small limited thinking was being expanded. And so years pass, and we're going along doing our thing. And then God moves us here a year ago to Hollywood. God interrupted our plans, that's how it felt. God, this isn't part of our plan. Ah, my plan is better. And so now we've been here a year. And we wonder, well, Lord, what are we doing here? We don't feel like we're, we're making an impact. We don't feel like we're, we're doing your work in a grand way. And then Monday I had a meeting, a pastor's meeting, this past week on Monday. And I was sharing with the other pastors who I've been walking with for over two years now. So we have a very close connection. And I was sharing with them what was going on. And, and they were encouraging and saying, no, God is walking with you. We can see that God is walking with your, with your church. And then Tuesday in my prayer time, Lord, What I don't understand. I don't understand, Lord. I was praying on the way to a doctor appointment. And I hear God say, look at your windshield, he said. Look at your windshield. And I, I mean, I'm driving. Lord, I'm looking at He said, no, look really close at your windshield. And I looked at this one spot right in front of me, and there was this tiny, tiny little inchworm just crawling as fast as he could, but he's an inchworm. And it struck me, and he said, what you think? You think you're not going anywhere. You think that you're not having an impact. You may feel like that inchworm going nowhere fast. He said, but it matters what you're doing. This is my timing. It's not your timing. It's my way of doing it, not your way of doing it. And I thought, oh, okay. Then on Wednesday, we got some news of, of a good friend who was going to have another surgery, major, major surgery, in less than three weeks. And as I was going to the church to pray with her, and I just started going through, and I was praying and saying, Lord, there's been a lot of loss in my life lately. I've had a lot of hurts. I've lost good friends, and I've lost people I love and I care about. He said, I don't understand. And he said, you have to understand how important what you're doing really is. It's a matter of life and death. You have to understand the impact that the gospel has in the lives of people. And so that very day, as I was going towards the hospital, 
And I got to the hospital, I stopped in the chapel and I prayed again before I went to see my friend. And when I got to see my friend and, and she was nervous about her surgery and, and we talked about Jesus. And I said, you know, friend, we've been talking to her about Jesus for 14 years almost. And in that moment, she said to me, I know I need Jesus. I just don't know how to do it. Wow. I got to sit with her on that bed and pray with her, pray with her so she had eternal life. She knew that she, her name was written in the book of life. And on my drive back home, I said, Lord, I get it now. Well, probably not completely, but, but Lord, I understand. Lord, it's, it's, it's not just, you can't reveal it all to us at once. We can't handle it. You give it to us in pieces. Because that's your way, not ours. And then Thursday, I was going back to visit my friend. Or Friday, actually. I was going back to visit my friend, and, and her one request was a Starbucks coffee. And so I was like, yeah, I can do Starbucks. So I went to Starbucks, and, and I went to get back into my car because the drive through line was way too long. So I'm carrying my drinks back to the car, and I go to get in the car, and I stop dead in my tracks because on the passenger side on the driver's side window is an inchworm church make sure i guess i wish i could just you know if i could just take this experience from my heart and, and put it into yours so you could embrace it it may feel like you're the inchworm sometimes in our trials sometimes in our struggles that's exactly what it feels like and God is there. He's saying, I am there with you. There's a purpose in your pain right now. There's a purpose in the timing. It's worth it. Trust me. I'm walking with you. There may be a situation that's going on in your life right now that you don't understand. You probably don't even understand why it's happening. You may not understand how long it will go on or how it's even going to turn out. And you say, God, where are you in all of this? We can't see it from our vantage point. But God sees the whole story. He doesn't just see the moments that we sit in. Like the inchworm. The world is massive. All the inchworm sees is that one little spot that he's in. He can't see the big picture. I love parades. But I only see the one part that's right before me. God sees all the parade at once. He sees the beginning, the middle, and the end. That's how he sees our lives. From start to finish, he sees it all. 
Every detail has been accounted for. Every detail in your life has been meticulously planned to work for his greater plan. We struggle to see what God sees. But it shouldn't cause us to doubt him. It shouldn't cause us to doubt his ways. It should cause us to trust him. Because if we could wrap our minds around his plan and his ways, how great would our God be? They would be human plans, not God's plans. God doesn't ask us to understand. He doesn't expect us to understand. All he says is, trust me. Trust that I am with you in this situation. Keep Jesus at the center and I will be there. He tells us that as I was with Mary and Joseph in their journey, I will be with you in yours. Trust me that I have a purpose in whatever you find yourself in. Trust that I will see you through any situation as I did for Mary and Joseph. Church, we can trust our God in all things because his thoughts are not our thoughts. Neither are our ways his ways. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways. And his thoughts higher than our thoughts. We just need to learn to surrender our wills to God's ways and his methods. I'll leave you with a, a little poem I found during my study this week. It said, I asked for strength, and God gave me difficulties to make me strong. I asked for wisdom, and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for courage, and God gave me dangers to overcome. I asked for patience, and God placed me in situations where I was forced to wait. I asked for love, and God sent me people to help. I asked for favors and blessings, but God gave me opportunities. I received nothing I wanted, yet I received everything I needed. You see, God's writing a story that's incomparable. He's writing a masterpiece of all masterpieces. And even though we don't see it clearly right now, church, you can trust him. And when we trust his thoughts and his ways, that's where we find the miracles in the methods. There's always miracles in his ways and in his methods. In ours, it's nothing but trouble. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the experience of walking with you, Lord. We thank you that you come and dwell among us. Emmanuel, God with us. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the word that lights our path, the word that guides our steps. Lord, help us to surrender our wills to your ways. Help us to see the miracles, not only in your methods, 
but in our moments. Father, help us to see the miracles in the message. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.